What's up, champs? Welcome back to the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast presents Short Shifts. Yeah, we're changing it up tonight. Uh, my name is Ben Burnett. I'm your host. And joining me, as always, my pal and yours, the mysterious Mr. E, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, my pal, my friend, how are you doing this fine, fine Tuesday evening? Really enjoying it. Uh, you know, I've got an interesting fantasy situation. This is, believe it or not, the first time all season that I have two streamer goalies going uh, to fill both of my goalie slots in the cupful. So it's just, uh, you know, my guys, uh, Swayman's not playing tonight. And then I've got Saros, who doesn't go till Wednesday. So I'm, I'm filling in the gaps with Ranta and uh, Koskinen and hoping that it goes well for me. Well, Lewis, you, you mentioned Miko Koskinen. Uh, he's on our show list. He wasn't up top, but why don't we start by talking about him? He's been looking real good the past few games. Yeah, absolutely. At, at 42% rostered on Yahoo, he's seeming like a pretty decent option here. I know we're playing with fire a little bit, talking about a goalie doing well, especially during a game that that goalie is playing in. So hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we're not uh, you know clearing up the wreckage of Philadelphia taking over. But it is Philly, so that seems... Somewhat unlikely, at least. Uh, but yeah, Koskinen's looked pretty good under Woodcroft in Edmonton. He's had two quality starts against Winnipeg and a fantastic 44-save effort against Florida. Uh, you know, major knocking on wood here, but he has shut out Philly up to this point. His only poor recent outing was three goals against on 15 shots, and that was when he came in to replace Mike Smith after he gave up those four goals to Minnesota in less than 14 minutes in the first period. You know, with Edmonton battling for playoff position, I feel like Koskinen is earning Woodcroft's trust a little bit here. I don't think he's likely to maintain this high level of play down the stretch. You know, this is Miko Koskinen we're talking about. I think, uh, you know, this is a burst of, of excellent play, but I don't think that we should expect it uh, to continue moving forward. But he does seem more likely to start than not. And the Oilers have found some of their offense that had disappeared during that tough December through January stretch. Uh, so I think that he's going to get the lion's share of starts here for a little bit at least. Uh, that Which leads us to the question, would you be comfortable dropping Mike Smith at this point? Uh, that is an interesting question. Um, I feel like this week ought to answer that question, I suppose. Because the thing is, Mike Smith, his Sunday night start, which was the second half of the back-to-back this weekend... Uh, was pretty solid, uncharacteristically so for him uh, in terms of his recent performances. And, you know, I've ridden the Miko Koskinen train uh, up and down the uh, roller coaster this season. And before, I just, you know, you look at the full season numbers, a 904 save percentage on the year. Mike Smith's full season numbers also bad. I just don't really trust either of them. Um, I'm not hoping, I'm hoping I don't have to count on either of them down the stretch. I think it's possible Edmonton's best goalie is in the AHL right now, and it's Stuart Skinner. Um, and I guess my hope would be that they they find a goaltender uh, in trades. It, it would be great if Mikko Koskinen, uh, you know, somehow learned enough from Jay Woodcroft in the past two three weeks to be fantasy relevant. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around that. Yeah, I think that, I think that's a good point. You know, it's a, it's a tough situation. Maybe it's worth a little bit of time to see how things shake out. Uh, and yeah, that that start against Carolina was pretty decent for Smith. So not ready to write him off entirely yet. But uh, some nice performances by Koskinen recently. Uh, you know, has me feeling a little more bullish about him than I typically would. All right. Well, let's chat next about a Boston Bruins player that has been absolutely 
incredible on the top line playing with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. And that's Jake DeBrusque. He who is still asking for a uh, trade out of town. Uh, DeBrusque put up four points, including a natural hat trick in the 7 nothing massacre over Los Angeles. Got to give shouts out to Cousin Dave from the stream scheme for his recommendation of JDB this week. Uh and I guess the other performance that we, you know, we kind of have to mention, even though I don't think there's that much more to say about Jeremy Swayman at this point, but a, th- a 34 save shutout Monday night or su- Monday night. Yeah, excuse me. Uh, Swayman, again, I think we've we've said all there is to say he looks like the guy in Boston. I'm a believer. Uh, Lewis, do you have any strong takes on uh, either of these Boston Jays? My strong take is that. Swayman should be starting 75% of the games. That's all I really feel like. He's just been so good lately. Um, You know, uh, six quality starts in a row. Uh, Only loss came from uh, in the shootout, so didn't even allow the second goal in that game. That second goal was a a shootout uh, result. So, yeah, you just really love to see it. His his, uh, goals against average in February was just a hair above one. Just really outstanding work from Swayman. And, you know, still pretty widely available. He started uh, six of the last nine. Obviously, he's not starting tonight with the back-to-back here on Thursday. But overall, I would say that, um, you know, we are in uh, a position where I think Swayman should be getting the bulk of the starts. And if you haven't grabbed him already, I think it is time to add Jeremy Swayman if he is hanging around on your waiver wire and you need that help in goal. Yeah, it feels a little bit like Alex Nedeljkovic last year. Although I think that his, um, I think that his run has been a little bit longer earlier than Nedeljkovic, who kind of took a little bit to settle in in Carolina. Really impressive stuff from Swayman. Uh, Lewis, why don't you take us to our next uh, story here? All right. Well, we will check in on the Devils. I I want to avoid having this become total Devils pod. I know that me and Elon talked about him on Thursday, and he was gushing about them on the big Sunday show. Uh, but the Devils still hot. Um, yes, they are. <laughs> from Monday's results, uh, Brat, who's sixty percent rostered, one goal, one assist. Hishier at thirty percent had two assists. Dawson Mercer down at seven percent had a goal and assist. And Igor Sharangovich twenty two percent rostered, one goal, one assist. Those are the Monday results. Uh, I believe here on Tuesday. I think I said it was Thursday earlier. That's the kind of week that I've been having. Um, but I believe Heshear has a goal here on Tuesday. Uh, I believe Mercer has an assist. So just continuing to rack up the points uh, for the Devils. Very exciting to, to see some uh, positive offense taking place. Obviously, uh, things in the crease still leave a little bit to be desired. But, you know, another one of those shockingly effective offensive teams, Columbus, is uh, the one who is working over the Devils here to the tune of four goals so far. So, you know, we've certainly seen that Patrick Laine and that top line have come alive in a big way. So I don't think we can hold it too much against them. And uh, yeah, I'm starting to turn that corner. I know I was uh, you were giving me some flack for being such a a negative Nancy about the Devils. And uh, now I'm trying to give them credit where it's due. Big of you to say, Lewis, I appreciate. And I think uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Basically, it's uh, that Devils team has, I believe, the highest goals per game or goals per 60 uh, through the month of February. So the offense is humming. Um, it looks like Nico Dawes maybe earned a few starts with his solid game against the Canucks on Monday, but he is not looking so great in the back-to-back start. 
my guess is that they're kind of just going to flounder between Dawes and Gillies. And it's unfortunate because it seems like a situation where there's enough offensive production right now to make it worth rostering somebody if you weren't going to have to worry about them absolutely blowing you up every single night that they go out. Yeah. And then if I can just add in one more uh, item for you know teams that are, are really flying offensively, we've got a real barn burner uh, between the uh, Habs and the Jets. It is now four to four with a hat trick from Josh Anderson, who has just really been on a roll. Uh, and we're not even halfway through that game yet. So there may be a lot more exciting action to come in that one. All right. Well, the next place we want to jump over to is to look at a concerning injury in Long Island. Uh, Matt Barzell has suffered a lower body injury on Saturday. Uh, Here on Tuesday, he is missing his second game in a row. Brock Nelson takes over on the top line between Anders Lee and Anthony Beauvillier. Uh, The Parise, Palmieri, Peugeot line, the Triple P's is going to stick together. Barzell has 37 points in 45 games, which takes him to about a 67-point average, about directly in line with what he's had last year. Uh, Injury aside, is this more or less what we should be expecting from Matt Barzell as a fantasy asset? Yeah, I think we're sort of seeing the the extent of of who Barzell can be. The interesting thing, I think, with him is that every he starts the season hot. The last couple of years, he's come out really hot and then cooled off significantly. Um, to start the year, I remember we were talking about Barzell, and he had been outperforming his uh, shots per game and his shots per his shots per sixty rates had both gone up over the last several years of his career. Um, and when he started slow production wise, we kind of, I remember talking about how we thought that there might be a little bit more to his game. Unfortunately, I'm not really seeing that bear out. And I think what Matt Barzal is under this re- regime is, is kind of a steady Eddie. This is kind of what you see is what you get. 65 to 75 points, depending on percentage swings seems to be in order for Barzal, uh, until we see, something that allows him to unlock another level. Um, You know, we've talked about Barzal a lot, really talented player, but unfortunately not somebody who seems to be able to put it all together for fantasy just yet. Yeah, you know, you would love to see kind of that that uh, power play kind of get together here. We, Of course, they talked on the Sunday show about Dobson uh, and his success, although not a ton of it on the power play, but just, you know, being someone who can maybe help drive a little bit more offense for... Uh, the Islanders, but yeah, you know, it just, it, you know, the Islanders are what they are. They, we know what to sort of expect from them at this point. And you would love to see Matty Barzell performing at a bit of a higher level, but we're going to have to wait a little bit until we can actually get there. And Lewis, we have one more injury we wanted to talk about tonight in, uh, in Washington. Unfortunately, fortunately, and fortunately, not unfortunately, this is an outjury situation. Vitek Vanacek returned to the Caps lineup, spelling Ilya Samsonov after the Leafs blew Samsonov up in the first period of their Monday night win. Uh, Vitek was solid the rest of the way, though, saving 16 of 17 shots after coming in cold. This was his first game since February 1st. Um, saddled with the loss because he allowed that one singular goal after the Caps had tied up the game. Seems a little unfair to me. Seems like more of a Samsonov loss. Um, interestingly, looking back over the last month, you can see there were a few spots where Samsonov racked up a couple of quality starts, but right before Samsonov was able to take over because of Vitek's injury, Vanacek had 
begun to pull away as the starter for Washington. I think that my takeaway here, and I don't know that it's changed whatsoever from what it was coming into the season and what it's been since early last season, is that this is a team where the goaltending value is bound to fluctuate back and forth depending on who's you know, it, it could change drastically every 10 to 15 games for the rest of time, or at least until Samsona figures it out and, and can become the the prospect. He can develop into the goaltender that people thought he was when he came over as one of those highly touted Russian goaltending prospects. Yeah, definitely. Among the Russian IS goalies who have come out in the last couple of years, you got to put Samsonov at the bottom of the list compared to what we're seeing from Igor Shishjorkin and uh, Ilya Sorokin. So, you know, I think he's it's been a bit of a surprise, I think, honestly, to see how much Vanacek has pushed him. I don't think anyone really expected that uh, as of, you know, a couple seasons ago. And, and, you know, Vanacek has been outplaying him so far. I think that he has deserved the starts that he's been getting and maybe even a little more. But, yeah, I think, you know, there is there is some long-term hope that Washington will see Samsonov develop into the goalie that they hope they could have. But uh, it hasn't come along as quickly as a couple of the others. Lewis, coming up, we're going to talk about a couple of hot streaks and a cold streak. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts, and Lewis, we're going to hop right into the streak section, uh, and I wanted to start in Toronto, where I wanted to say Matthew Bunting, and I know that that's not correct, I'm just seeing Austin Matthews' name next to Michael Bunting's, because Bunting has been on that top line in Toronto, playing with Matthews and Marner, and he put up a five-point game on Friday, giving Bunting now eight points in his last four uh, up to a 63-point pace on the season, shooting 16%, which looks high, but it does seem like it's a mark that he's capable of sustaining given the first 100 or give or take games of Bunting's career appears to be a higher level shooter than the average. Uh, there are some slightly, I don't want to say concerning numbers under the hood, reasons to think that 63-point pace is a touch high for Bunting, I guess, is the best way of putting it. Specifically, that even strength shooting percentage, which is up over 12%, that's much more likely to finish in the 9 to 10% range. Uh, as an example, Austin Matthews uh, on ice shooting percentage is at 10% on the year. Um, I don't see a particular reason to think that Bunting would would be able to rise that to historic levels, like you know Ovechkin's best season and one that he's never been able to to repeat is up uh, above that 12% mark. So very unlikely to be sustained. But even factoring that in, it's not really expect I'm not seeing a super significant drop when it when you really crunch those numbers probably Bunting is a 55 to 60 point guy who can play above that given percentage runs and and given streaks so yeah I think that there's a lot to like about Michael don't call me Matthew Bunting and uh, if you're holding him from a stream I, I think he's a hold for for a little while now yeah I have to admit I I dropped Bunting in a shallow league on uh, the Thursday before that barn burner 17 goal game with the Red Wings and just have been absolutely kicking myself ever since. You know, the thing about the Leafs is they really have that explosive potential. There's a few teams like 
You know, we've certainly seen Florida be able to do this, uh, Colorado at times where they've just been able to put together an absolute mountain of offense that gives those players, like you said, with those percentage swings, you know, one game can take that pace and really make a significant change to it. So I don't know if we want to put, you know, like you said, I think I think you were right to be a little more measured in seeing what his pace could be moving forward, given that, you know, the, the Leafs are not going to score 10 goals in every game. Uh, you know, as exciting as that would be and as great of a, a third period viewing as it ended up being. Yeah, but I think definitely an appealing ad, you know, playing with, you know, two superstars, uh, you know, that's that is a very enviable third wheel spot to have for a player. Um, you know, if I can uh, look at another player who is really enjoying a great third wheel spot, but is making it work, you know, really acting as the the straw that stirs the drink for this line in a lot of cases lately. That would be Toivo Teravainen, one of the hottest players in the NHL since returning from a four-game injury absence with 12 points in the last eight games and change. Uh, the uh, Carolina is playing tonight uh, on Tuesday where Teravainen has an assist already. You know, and what's nice to see is that he's not on a crazy shooting percentage bender. He's got four goals on 28 shots as of this recording. And that's over three shots a game on average with just two one-shot games holding him back. He's had at least three shots in seven of the nine, including at least three already on uh, Tuesday night. And some of those assists, too, have been real beauties. He's shown some really great chemistry on some tic-tac-toe passing with his line mates, Sveshnikov and Aho. Uh, He made a really nice pass to Pesci uh, to end the game in overtime. He's 84% owned, so not likely floating around your waiver wire unless he was dropped during his injury and your league is snoozing. But if you're holding him right now, I would not be looking to sell high. I think you would enjoy the production with great line mates. Like I said, I don't think he's shooting outrageously uh, high above his average. He may regress a little bit, but you know that deployment that he's getting is really outstanding. And if I can just shoehorn one more player in here as long as we're talking Svechnikovs. Elon and Brian brought up Evgeny Svech on Sunday's show, saying he was getting low minutes but great even-strength line mates. Uh, The Svechnikov PLD Connor line has two goals so far on Tuesday. One goal, one assist for E. Svech, who is a big, fat 0% rostered in Yahoo. Uh, So if you are in a deep league and you're looking for someone who is getting great even-strength deployment and making something happen with it, at least for the time being, uh, Evgeny Svechnikov may be an interesting option. That and I feel like we do need to specify we are not talking about the Carolina Svechnikov because that is a, I'm going to say it, Lewis. That's a big old leap from from Teravainen to Evgeny Svechnikov. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you know I, I'm I'm reaching for a, for a transition point. So mentioned Andre and now moving to Evgeny. Uh, obviously, a very different situation, a very different player, but some nice production uh, in the in the last little while here. The one thing I do want to say about Teravainen is when you look at his full season uh, numbers under the hood, everything looks very sustainable. And when you look at his full season pace, 75 point pace, very much in line with his classic seasons, I think really nice to see that bounce back after a, a much slower uh, 60 point pace last season where he missed a susta- substantial amount of time, I believe, with a head injury and came back outside of the top power play unit. I think we're basically just seeing what we kind of can expect from Teravainen. It's that that classic bounce back season, and it's really good to see after uh, a slow start or a, a slow return from injury last season. Just always good to see a player come back and and play well after after suffering kind of a, a challenging head injury. Uh, Lewis, I am going to jump over to Washington next for a cold streak. 
Um, and talk about Nicholas Backstrom, who it's not so much a cold streak. I mean, he has two points in his last two games. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe a sign of positive things to come. But if you look at the full season numbers, Backstrom has put up 16 points in 22 games so far this season since returning from injury and, you know, dealing with COVID in there as well. But that puts him on pace for the lowest point total of his career, which could partly be age. You know, this is Backstrom's 15th NHL season. He's 34 now. Um, but Backstrom was brought up in the Keeping Carlson Discord group, and Elon theorized his value is dropping the longer he stays away from Alex Ovechkin. I definitely think that both of those factors are possible contributors here. I mean, it's obviously not ideal for Backstrom to not be partnered with Ovechkin uh, at even strength and on the power play. They have looked pretty solid on the power play together, of course. Uh, I think the biggest impact for Backstrom, though, is that his average time on ice has dipped to a career low 1745. This is the second year in a row that he's seen roughly a one-minute drop in ice time. So beginning to sort of see the uh, brakes pumped on uh, on running the backs running Backstrom into the ground in Washington. Uh, last year, though, he was able to put up a 79-point pace by putting up an inflated shooting percentage and pacing for 32 power play points. As I mentioned, those power play numbers this season are, are pretty solid, but they've certainly dropped. I think he's on pace for 26 power play points now, and the shooting percentage has come back down to earth, probably a little bit unlucky and and something that I would expect to turn around a little bit the rest of the season. Uh, for that reason, I think Backstrom is is fairly unlucky. And and I think that the fact that he's working his way back from some serious injuries deserves, deserves some play here. I think it's likely he finishes closer to a 70 point pace than 60, which is reassuring in some leagues like deeper points leagues. But I think that this is a, a troubling trend for Backstrom is that he's always been a one dimensional player in multi-cat leagues. And I don't think that the slight bounce back that I'm predicting here will do much to fix that issue. So I, I will say that he is probably not worth rostering in shallow banger leagues and maybe, you know, 12 team leagues as well uh, until he starts to click. And at that point, you know, if, if he does turn this this little uh, two game point streak into something a little bigger, I think he's probably becomes a lot more interesting. So a little down on Backstrom right now, but hopefully somebody who can recoup some value moving forward. Yeah, and he's, you know, he's kind of... Uh had that regression from last season where he was so spectacular and so surprising that sort of we all expected but yeah a little worrisome and I think something to keep in mind you know we're starting to head down to the end of the season there are some probably teams that are looking forward to next season Baxter might be one of the guys moving down your draft list as you are developing it during the offseason one more player I would love to discuss before we head on out of here is Tanner Pearson over in Vancouver, one of your more widely available hot streak players. He's on a nice little run with six points in the last five games and has broken through with some high volume shot games here and there, which was not really part of anything that he was doing earlier in the season where it seemed like it was mostly ones and twos. Uh, he had five against Seattle and four against the Rangers, although they were interspersed with some one-shot, two-shot games in there. Uh, he's lined up alongside Connor Garland and JT Miller, who is one of the hottest Canucks forwards of the moment. Still seeing that second power play minutes down below 30% of that available power play time on ice. Uh, and he's scoring on way more shots than he showed with four goals on 13 shots during these last five games. He's an all right ad if the other hot streakers are taken. 
Uh, and if you're in a bangers league, he's added at least one hit in each of the last nine games. So there's a little bit of extra value you might be able to get out of him. So, you know, not the most exciting, not the sexiest ad available, um, but certainly someone who's been on a nice little run for Vancouver and a potentially interesting option for you to stream in and then right back out uh, as your schedule demands. You mentioned JT Miller as uh, as somebody who's one of Vancouver's hotter players. And I'll go ahead and say if you uh, if you roster Tanner Pearson, you will be rostering somebody who is on a line uh, with the player who ruined my cupful season last week. So, yeah, there, that maybe that'll be uh, enough to sway some folks into to hopping on the Pearson train if they like to, you know, rub my face in the, the misery a little bit harder. Lewis, a big that is, screw you to a big screw you to JT Miller. Then I love JT Miller. I just don't love what he did to my fantasy season last week. Uh, Lewis, that is all of the time that we have for this evening. I want to thank everyone so much for listening and all the support. And Lewis, I want to thank you for hanging out with me. I look forward already to chatting on Thursday. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Please be sure to give us a follow at ShortShiftsKK. Brian and Elon are at Keeping Carlson and Dave Benton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. We love to hear from listeners. Definitely recommend that you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News. And please visit the great sites where we research our episodes at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, and Natural Stat Trek. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short.